Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Exchange from Drag Race and Lady B from all. I was gonna say, Bunny, you you wrote that lyric and it's a little offensive. I'm all over the place too, not just you, bitch. Oh, okay. You mean scattered, as in <laughs> as in like off all over the place. It's no scattered as in how you lube your hole to get oh, any uh, penetrated. Yeah, scattered. Yeah, that's the scattered Honey. you're talking about. There is no man out there that deserves these rubies and emeralds back there, honey. <laughs> no, honey. no, honey. No, but you not got my fucking, treasure, you got fool's gold. Not my treasure pot. <laughs> well. <laughs> How are you doing, Lady B? I'm doing great. The sun is out in New York City and it's still chilly, but people's spirits are perked up. Yeah, people are very excited. This is this is this is how New York treats you. We had like about three straight weeks of like brutally cold and snowstorms like every other day, and now with this like nice sunny weather, the snow on the ground has melted. Everyone is like, "Whoa, it's spring! It's summer, girl." Well, it's I mean, it's not summer. It's still chilly out, but I mean, just to be able to leave because it was a brutal. February and um, we live in you know not very large apartments in this neck of the woods so when you live alone and you're cooped up with yourself and you don't have a lot of work (laughs) (laughs) you do a lot of doom scrolling Uh, and you do a lot of podcasting yeah Um, no just mice and roaches 
Uh, mice and roaches are my only pets. And it's so nice oh, okay. because they clean up after each other. <laughs> and I can travel, just leave them here. I don't need to worry. <laughs> and on that note, I am very disgusted. We have to get into the headlines because we're talking all music today and some really interesting music things, I think. Yes, we have Joey Arias for the interview yeah. who saw the U.S. versus Billy Holiday movie on Hulu and uh, gave us his insight and some fantastic behind the scenes dirt because he's followed her career for many decades. Yeah, and also um, we ha we're we talking appreciation versus appropriation with this complex article um, regarding Bruno Mars and claims that he's appropriating culture. So on that note, Bunny, let's get into it, girl. Headliners. This past week, we both watched the United States versus Billie Holiday. I am curious. Literally, I was watching. I was like, I wonder what Bunny's going to think about this. What were your thoughts? Well, I thought that now there seems to be some confusion about the name here because I've seen it both ways. Is it Andra Day or Audra Day? Andra Day. Andra Day. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know what? She looks like Diana Ross playing Billie Holiday. She could also look a little like an older Rihanna and like a younger Ooh, Eartha yeah. Kitt. Eartha Kitt, she has a, a slightly similar face. And, she you know, is stunning. She She's is stunning. beautiful. Yeah, she is. And she apparently lost weight for this. A uh, lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, um, she went on a bender, chain smoking and drinking. Um, I don't think she used Billie Holiday's favorite heroin injections. But, um, you know, she really, <laughs> This I think, is this her first big acting role? I mean, she was really good. Yeah, 100%. Well, all I, all, all Andre, I mean, I'm sure people will correct me if I'm wrong, but what I knew of Andra, she was just a singer. So like when this like popped out, I was like, when I saw when I saw the the previews for this, I was like, Andra Day, like the singer Andra Day, she's doing, she's acting, and yeah, this so this is like her first big feature. Well, she sang the music, and was that was incredible, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, Gorgeous. that's a very famous voice. It's easy to get it wrong, and uh, she did not get that wrong. You know, yeah. so it was yeah. the story of a part of Billie Holiday's life where she is singing Strange Fruit, which is yeah. a haunting song that uh, to, that that was it was called the, like the a prototype of the civil rights movement because it was about lynching and it has you know very yeah. uh, evocative language like Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood on at the root. Um, and mm -hmm. it was feared that singing this song would sow discontent among black Americans. And that caught the eye of J. Edgar Hoover and um, the uh, the the guy from the CIA or whatever, that guy that was chasing her down, planting drugs guy. on her. Uh, no, the, well, the, who the black guy worked for, the white guy. Oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Who was kind of like a cartoon villain who said, this jazz is the devil's music. That's why this holiday woman has to be stopped. And um, uh, it was, a, it, 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 and so then, 
you know, through that, he planted drugs on her, set her up with a love interest who planted drugs on her, and she would go to jail. So it's a story of lynching, of racism, of heroin abuse, of abusive men who Billie Holiday liked. So it's not like a, a, a it's not like a heroin. Forgive the pun. It's not like a heroin um, <laughs> that you immediately latch on to right i mean it's like a, a, a you're proud that she did this song that she was brave enough to 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 buck the authorities and sing yeah. this, a song that meant something to her people but um she was also you know getting framed and um, also you know messy throughout it i had no idea i mean i knew the story of billy holiday i had no idea how deep the drug thing was. Like, I knew that Billy... And then when I heard that Billy Holiday did drugs, I thought... But again, it was the 50s, so I guess that's my mistake. But I didn't think it was heroin. I thought it was, you know... Like, she was, like, doing cocaine. But again, bitch, literally half of your... Of, like, the greats from history, and not just musicians, but, like, like smart people. Fucking Albert Einstein used to do fucking cocaine, bitch, for a day. That's how this motherfucker would stay up doing E equals MC squared. Like, he was a fucking cokehead the house down. So I was I thought it was like that. I did not realize that she was, like, shooting up heroin. Like, it was crazy. You know, as great as I thought uh, Andra was, the movie storytelling was a little clumsy. Um, you know, like Billy, I was on drugs when uh, I watched it, so I, I could have mixed that up. But there were like a, <laughs> <laughs> there was a few flashbacks and stuff, and I, I kind of, I kind of got lost as to where we were. And I thought, I mean, she did have changing hairstyles, but I couldn't really tell because it was, you know, back and forth. To, to, well, maybe I'm just dumb, but I, I, I had a hard time keeping complete chronological track. Yeah, me too. The chrono, the chronologicity, <laughs> the chronologicity of it, I got mixed up in it a lot. And um, I like that actress. He's also the um, the breakout star of Moonlight, and um, I like Andre Day. And um, uh, her one of her best friend the guy um he's from actually housewives of atlanta his name is miss lawrence La oh no she was like she stole every scene she was in i didn't know she could act i mean she I, know, was, I didn't know she could either she was great i didn't know i didn't recognize her because i've never seen her hair that that way until later um yeah i mean miss lawrence turned it she was the comic relief which you really needed and played like a sassy sidekick to uh billy who w went on the road with her and probably scored drugs for her and all that kind of stuff in in the right. 50s i know you would probably know a lot about this um was it common like we're like we're like gay people like he was so openly flamboyant and gay is that do you think that's accurate I think that there were always gay people around show business, the theater, etc. Dance, certainly. Um, right. Hairdressing, right, right. florists, churches, choir directors. Wherever there was right. music, there was faggots, okay? <laughs> uh, you know that, girl. You know it. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the, I... I I want to read. I've, it did not get good reviews. Um, they all yeah. say that Andrew was great, but this is um, a, a, a little sentence from I didn't write down where it was from. In the frustrating The United States versus Billie Holiday, Day gives it her all as Holiday, but she can't save a film that is overstuffed and also thin. Director Lee Daniels and screenwriter Susan Laurie Parks offer 
an unfocused, meandering work for much of the time, interrupted by devastating scenes that feel like a punch to the gut. So, you know, that that review snippet spoke to me because you did want to get involved with the story. You know, was it was it just laying out too many things? And, 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 and I mean, am I being dumb and not able to accept, you know, this movie, a screenplay as what it is, um, you know, because I want it to be, you know, a slam dunk. Oh, this is about this song, you know, and how she triumphed or didn't triumph. I mean, it's, it doesn't have a, it's not a feel good movie. Right, right. But I mean, I think I like I enjoyed it. It was two and a half hours. It's a commitment to watch. You know what I mean? Like it's like one. Of, it's not one of the movies you put on back and watch. It's it's like Titanic. You don't just put on Titanic. You like bitch. You're committing for three hours of your life. So it was that? And I guess I was so wrapped up in how she changed her voice to sound like Billy, and um, and not not even singing wise. I'm talking about the speaking. And so I think other aspects of the movie really brought me in, which is why I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed her acting, and I enjoyed Miss Lawrence. Uh, but overall, I do agree with some of the points of this critic. But yeah, yeah, I mean, she was great in it. And this should probably lead to other, you know, roles for her because she, I don't have any faults with her acting. I also love Trevante as her, the, as the, the was it FBI oh. or CIA Oh, that agent. man. That, that man. man. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Looking like Girl, Teddy Pendergrass. Let me tell you something. Girl, if he if he walked into my apartment and fucking put me a gunpoint and asked me to suck his dick, I would pull the gun and I would pull the trigger. I'll put the gun to my own fucking head. I'm like, bitch, I would do it. I just he is just so fucking hot. Would you do it while he squirted heroin into both eyeballs? Absolutely, bitch. Put it in my put put it in my arms, my eyeballs, my toes. Put it everywhere, bitch. Well, okay. Well, I don't. It's <laughs> okay. I All love right. Him. Well, yeah. No, he is cute. Now they had Tallulah Bankhead. Are you too young to know who she was? Yeah, I have no idea who that is. Tallulah Bankhead, who was one of the most fascinating things to ever come out of uh, Hollywood, and you know what? They did. Everybody in the movie was great, honey. They didn't even get her hair right. They didn't get her accent <laughs> right, and she has a very famous accent i mean if you ever want to laugh your ass off check out tallulah bankhead as a guest black widow on uh batman she was a nut job and lip has this thing in her act where tallulah she lip syncs to a tallulah record album where tallulah is going to teach you how to act and she says um you can say anything, uh, you know, in a different ways by stressing different words, darling. And she would say, what have you been doing? 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 <laughs> oh, that's great, actually, though. That's great. And so, um, so they did not give Tallulah any of that crazy talk, which would have been nice, but... Uh, yeah, I, she I was mean, played by um, Natasha Leon, which I love. Natasha Leon, she's such a sweet. Well, she's—I don't know her personally, but she's like, she seems like a very sweet lady. Uh, the Chicago Tribune called this uh, certainly Daniel's best, Lee Daniel's best since. Precious. No, okay, so, okay. See, I see. I, I'm gonna let you finish. I was about to say no, bitch. Precious is his oh, okay. best work. 
his best work. Oh, I think so too. This said it was certainly his best since Precious, but I say both handled sensitive subject matter, but this didn't come anywhere near close to Precious to me. Lee said that he really struggled to get funding for this. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, all the, you know, what I will say about, I'm, I'm occasionally interested in stuff about awards ceremonies, but, um, you know, like when they have the Oscars so white, et cetera, sometimes that will be more interesting to, to me because I didn't see Bunny's most of the Bunny's pussy film. so white, her ass is so brown. Well, yeah. No, my pussy is wide. It's not white. It's pink <laughs> and delicious. And this is an advertisement. Dial 866. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, find, I find it wild that after we, you know, we because this, the Billie Holiday uh, was a similar story of like government takedowns of uh, prominent black people as another movie that's out right now. Um, at any rate, uh, I find it, why, do, I mean, would Lee Daniels not be able to sell this with his clout? I mean, is it, are, are black movies still on that shaky a footing? Or did they look at the script and say, mm, love Andra, but mm. Yeah, and I think maybe it was like, they were like, this is a big risk. She is, I mean, they take big risks with no names before, but I was like, she's never done any, as far as I know, I'm sure people will correct me if I'm wrong, she hasn't done much acting that I know of. And so, like, such a, and such a big role like Billie Holiday, like, that does seem like a very big risk. But even, but I mean, if Lee Daniels is coming at you, he's done some, The Butler, Precious, uh, uh, um, that show on Showtime, I always forget the name of it. Is it Power he does or Star? One of those. I, I didn't see it. Empire, like, he has, like, really great credit. So, like, I mean, if Lee Daniels coming, I'm like, all right, I trust you, Lee. And then if it sucks, it sucks. But people are still going to watch it because it's Lee Daniels. Mm-hmm. Oh, you see, so Miss Lawrence, that's when, so that's where Miss Lawrence met uh, Lee Daniels. Miss Lawrence wasn't Star, and Lee Daniels was probably like, wow, you're really good, and had... Them, no, honey. Um, in, he he uh, met Miss J at the in the men's room. Come on, girl. <laughs> Not Miss J. Miss Lawrence. Wow, I racist mean, canceled. Lawrence. <laughs> 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 well, they're both Miss. Come on. Uh, so, yeah. if you guys have a chance, you guys should check it out. I think it's a uh, bunny. I bunny and I both think it's a good film. And well, let me not speak for bunny. I think it's a good film, and you guys should check it out. I think there's great performances, and, and I, I certainly would look forward to seeing Andra in a better script. Yeah, maybe maybe when I do um, when I do my biopic, maybe I might choose her to play me in my movie. Uh, well, is um, is Lawanda <laughs> Page not available? <laughs> Who's Lawanda Page? I don't know who that is. Oh, uh, uh, Lou Nail. <laughs> Is Lunell is Lunell not available? Oh. <laughs> 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 well, you know, I am very funny, so that would that would work in that regard. I'm a very funny person, and Lunell is well, very she, funny. Well, no, she would have to lose all her funny to play you. <laughs> <laughs> who would pay you? In, who would play you in a biopic, bitch? Uh, fucking Ronald McDonald. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. I don't know who. Oh, who cares? Um. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, well, obviously my twin, uh, Blair St. Clair. 
<laughs> I mean, but Pamela Anderson could play the older me. <laughs> but honey, I got my vaccine. I'm not dying anytime soon, darling. Well, you know, the Bruno cultural appropriation debate has been going on over several years. Um, mm-hmm. He was on The Breakfast Club recently and was asked by Charlemagne de God. Uh, who is problematic as fuck. Charlemagne is such an asshole. But anyway, go ahead. Is he? Well, yes. uh, I, I, I don't know him, but uh, people love to accuse. He said. People love to accuse you of being a cultural thief, which I find interesting because you are a person of color. What would you say to those people? And Bruno came back and he said he'd always given credit to the funk R&B artists who came before him and assisted, insisted there was nothing but love behind his material. Quote, this music comes from love. And if you can't hear that, then I don't know what to tell you. Unquote. So, Monet, take it away. Yeah. Well, I'm so over people conflating the issues of appropriation versus appreciation. There's obviously a big difference. For example, the Kardashians are a prime example, right? You see these women, like there's this episode of Keeping Up With Their, I know I know it's not music, but you know, it, appreciation and appropriation, they, they transcend music, they're in art, they're in uh, fashion, all kind of things. Um, there's an episode of the, of the Kardashians, keeping up, the, keeping up with the Kardashians, where Khloe Kardashian has Bantu knots. Or maybe it's not an episode of the show, but something else. She had it on, and then someone asked her about it, and she was like, oh yeah, this, it's just like a, a, a cute little hairstyle I do, blah, 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 blah. Um, and people's issue is that is that she's not giving reverence to what Bantu knots from. She, they say that she was pretending like she came up with this hairstyle, whereas Bantu knots is a protective form of hair that people um, wear uh, black women wear a it's a it's a protective style and obviously there's generational uh, uh, implications of black women not being able to wear their hair because it's not professional it's not looked to be classy it's inappropriate for work all those things so that's an example of of, of, of a Kardashian appropriating this hairstyle whereas Bruno Mars is saying hey I am not appropriating this he was like I'm giving reverence I talk about my how Prince has inspired me Michael Jackson has inspired me Stevie Wonder has inspired me I um, I, I constantly talk about where I get my inspiration from my songs and he's not saying that he developed this style of music um, and so I think that Bruno Mars is a prime example prime candidate prime example of how to accurately um appreciate and and i don't think anything he's doing is appropriating and people reaching saying that it is i think it's unnecessary and i think it's downright silly well you know when i look at bruno mars um even though he did reach you know his early peak as a recording artist with a somewhat straightened hair his hair is curly, and in this interview with his Silk Sonic partner, Anderson Pack, mm-hmm. I mean, he he looks like a person of color, he is. you know, with, with curly hair, um, you know, making music with another person of color. That's what it strikes me. And as I mean, I will say that, you know, I understand the cultural appropriation thing, but the arguments against it. But I also wonder, I'm a fan of R&B music my whole life. And that is what songs like Treasure, 24 Karat Magic, and Uptown Funk are old school 
R&B, and I gravitate towards that. He is a show-stopping mm-hmm. performer. So, yes, I can. Uh, he does give credit to Prince and James Brown and Michael Jackson. But how do you, if you want to make music, how do you see someone like Prince and uh, Michael Jackson and James Brown and not want to emulate their sound or their dance moves. Can you be influenced by it? I mean, I remember when Jamiroquai came out and people were saying, oh, he's a Stevie Wonder, you know, ripoff. And I, I really liked his music and I just thought, I can see that approach, not not vocally, but um, in, in the way that he writes and the way that chords are there. But what a fantastic, I mean, as someone who is in awe of Stevie Wonder's genius, I just thought, what a wonderful thing to emulate. I sure do wish, you know, Cardi B and some of the popular non-musical artists had yeah. some of that artistry and songwriting instead of yeah. one groove that they rap over. So I read a few comments under the Complex article that reported on this, and these were from black people, or at least maybe they were bots, you know, but they they said... Black people, this needs to be said, we don't own exclusive rights to our culture. Culture doesn't work that way. If it did, then every society would be guilty one way or another. Mm -hmm. Another said, if anything, Bruno Mars has added to the culture. He has acknowledged and respected all those who came before him and never showed signs of switching up, disrespecting, or taking advantage of it. Um, One said, y'all go after the wrong people for cultural appropriation. What is the point if us as musicians can't um, learn from the guys that have come before us. But I also understand why this is sens- sensitive because especially in the world of recording, all of yeah. his success as a Puerto Rican, uh, part Jewish, part Filipino, mm-hmm. is against a backdrop of black artists traditionally not being rewarded for what they have brought to the table yeah. and yeah. being booted, you know, which you probably know you know more about i mean yeah dream girls is a prime example every if, if if you're listening to this you probably have heard dream girls dream girls is an iconic uh broadway show movie what a movie musical whatever and that's a prime example you see how the black group did cadillac records and they were like and then literally the next scene white folk come right on in and appropriate the song and do it in their way and they're celebrated they're chart topping and where the black folk who develop cadillac records don't get the same recognition so that's what we're talking about here but Obviously, looking at Bruno Mars, Bruno Mars clearly comes from probably an Afro-Latino back, background, which Afro-Latinos are also. Look at look at Celia Cruz, who are prolific in making uh, music for colored folk. And so I'm saying that to say is that Bruno Mars is clearly someone I think and Buddy, Lady Bunny thinks is not appropriate in culture. Now, I'm sure... You can look at anything with a fine tooth comb or a magnifying glass or find and find something, some way to say that it's appropriating. But I think that, again, this is society is guilty of doing the most and not having um, the appropriate receipts to back it up. And I like Bruno Mars. I like his music. I like his brand. And I think he's doing a really good job. Yeah, I mean, I like his music. I, I, I actually, I like the music that's more R and B. I don't like that "Marry Me" song. That's there, or one other one that sounds kind of like the Police because it, to me, it doesn't have as much soul. Um, now, I was actually uh, touring with Joey Arias, and we played this kind of like casino. I thought you were gonna say you were touring with Bruno Mars. I was like, yeah. imagine a tour bus oh, yeah. with Lady well, Bunny and Bruno opening. Mars on it. He was opening for me. 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, he knew that I didn't have as big uh, of audience, but you know, they all want to fuck me. So that's just, I mean, that's just that's part of the bun bun experience. So we we were at this gig in California, and actually, a black guy had booked the whole thing. A friend of mine who was a black Republican, believe it or not, and uh, he had booked everyone from Broadway to drag to Candace Kane to. Um, uh, singers who did flawless covers of Whitney Houston. Um, and so there was a chirpy Broadway girl on, she came out and did her first song. I was backstage. Um, she st- started to do her second song and said, I'm going to sing a blues song and this is an American art form. And this is da, 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 da. So the lady that sung, uh, Whitney Houston, I kind of looked back at her because we were getting ready to go on and, and our eyes both like were like, girl. And, and then we busted <laughs> out laughing because, you know, I mean, the blues technically is a, 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 an American art form, but it is singing the blues is from people of color who have blues due right. to slavery, you know, due to. So there are, I mean, I kind of take this personally on a, a, I don't mean I take it personally. I mean, I take it, take these things on a case to case, uh, you know, basis. Mm -hmm. And so, because if we take it too far, do I say Beyonce, give me my people's hair back. She's always wearing blonde wigs. Do I say, do, I mean, a, a queen on Drag Race last night said, all up in it. That's not a white expression. Do we say, do we not say, uh, yes, queen, you better work, fierce, uh, no voguing. All that's from the ballroom culture, which, you know, I mean, let's face it, Drag Race appropriates a lot of, appropriates a lot of ballroom culture. Yeah, I mean, you know, when Madonna did that, she was criticized for taking an underground culture and making it mainstream. And then suddenly it's making a profit. And the people who were actually in the ballroom culture were still going to remain um, you know, underground. Well, well, she's... well, that's the thing. And people, and that's the thing people, people even fail to do research because if you look at things like black people with blonde hair, you, uh, there's, there's a whole country. It's like off the coast, off the South coast of Africa, where I don't know if you know, Amber Rose, uh, she's a, uh, popular woman. She's a day Connie West, yada, yada, yada. It's a whole country of black people that are born with blue eyes and blonde hair. It's just like, it's just like a thing. It's like, this like, <laughs> I don't know the name of the country, country people. So it's just like, people like to say this stuff. A, they don't even have the research to know what the fuck they're talking about. And then, but it's, it's this whole thing. And Bob and I talked about this before about wokeness and uh, virtue signaling. People just say, people fucking tweet shit and they say shit just to seem like, oh yeah, I'm on the up and up. I'm on the right side of history girl i know about appropriating but you really don't you're just talking because it's a buzzword and you feel like when you tweet it people are gonna like your tweet and people are gonna respect you because you seem like they would like know what the fuck you're talking about and they don't it's well it's it's outrage uh porn to an yeah. extent because the many gay or straight people wearing those celtic tattoos back in the uh 2000s oh yeah um, you know uh uh the karaoke it's not of my country. You know, I mean, if I had to do stuff that was um, only of my country, I would be doing square dances, singing bluegrass music. And I don't think I could make a living. You know, I, I mean, uh, you know, Mohawks. Is this, you know, wrong? Um, Archbishop 
Archbishop Justin Welby of the Anglican Church claimed that the crucifix, which clearly has significant cultural ties, is not just is now just a fashion statement and has lost its religious meaning. So what I'm curious about, do we really have to stop and take all of these things into account? Because what's happening here with, you know, the online outrage, as you suggested, is that right and left were being told what to wear, what to uh, music to appreciate, um, what, uh, you know, artists to, to shun because they are appropriating, what clothing to wear. I mean, there's all kinds of, of stuff like that. And, you know, if I see somebody in cornrows, who is white, you know, I'm probably, I mean, that's not something that I would do, but mm-hmm. I did wear a blonde, uh, Bo Derek wig with braids in the probably eighties or <laughs> it looked awful on me, but, um, I did, I mean, it was sold as a blonde wig and I wore it and I didn't, yeah. you know, I, I mean, Bo Derek was wearing that, you know, not just a few years. I mean, it was, it was considered something that you do if you were sexy and you're like, well, why yeah. did you wear it, buddy? I mean, Rihanna's cosmetic brand Fenty Beauty got criticism for naming one of its highlighters Geisha Chic. Um, Kim Kardashian had a a shapewear line called Kimono and they, uh, you know, changed the name. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there are, there are people who defend it as well. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, look, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me as a kid growing up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I was probably 10 years old at a, uh, football stadium and there was a lot of racial tension uh, back then there was a lot of racism and this was not at a time where it was called out that much and mm-hmm. so a white guy was singing on the football stadium um, hidey ho hidey high gonna get me a piece of the sky and it was like totally soul music but he was white the place went nuts and to me in my 10 year old mind i thought that music could bring people together because all the sports fans whether they're white or black or old or young recognized that as as yes it was code switching or cross culture but maybe that's what you mean by cultural appreciation or you know a, a assimilation mm-hmm. rather than appropriate acculturation or or a cultural exchange bunny and i can literally talk about this for eons because we both love music but i think we're going to open up our um our chat lines on the stereo app to hear what you guys think about music appreciation versus appropriation Welcome to the Stereo app. It is myself, Monet Exchange, and the illustrious, for lack of a better word, Lady Bunny. We are here. Hello. Um, live on the Stereo app to discuss our headlines that we have on Ebony and Irony podcast this week. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Um, this is Dawson. I just wanted to ask, in juxtaposition towards uh, this racial appropriation with music, what do you think about what happened with the 
Rihanna Fenty uh, show using religious music. Do you think that that's completely different than appropriation culturally or uh, relatable? Love you both. She received cultural accusations of cultural appropriation on Twitter and Instagram in July, the very same year after dressing up in ancient Chinese-styled attire for a Harper's Bazaar photo shoot in spite of a positive reception from netizens in China. Okay, again here we Mm. see (laughs) the people in China receiving it positively. Um, I will say, you know, in talking to a lot of my Asian friends, and this is something that this, this comes up, like, you know, um, Jasmine Rice, Kim Chi, whatever, they oftentimes express how, like, Asian people, like, they really enjoy when other people embrace their culture. Like, for example, when we went, when Work the World went to South Korea, Kim, Kim and I were in South Korea, and we went to this drag bar, and we were at this thing, and this and this, and this this queen where there was performing this beautiful, this, this trans queen performing this beautiful kimono and this whole, no, in a um, hombo, in a, in a hombo. And I, I looked over at Kim, I was like, this is fucking gorgeous. I was like, I would love to do something like this in America and like wear this outfit. I was like, would I get in trouble for that shoot? Like Kim was like, no, I would love it. And I was like, and I was like, I could never do this in America because Americans would be white Americans would be like, how dare you? Blah 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 blah. So it's so funny that normally other cultures like another example. Another example is Adele when Adele got slammed for wearing. Wait, wearing, hold on. I mean, I, I mean, you say that you would be slammed for wearing a certain, you know, costume uh, in the states, but. I mean, all of your costumes are slammed. So this <laughs> th- this is not really the best guideline. So, I mean, if you could maybe reference someone who didn't generally have crap costumes, that would be a help here. Okay, my question is whether appropriation of music really exists. Not to take it away from people, but say if someone was inspired by maybe... 90s R&B, which was dominated by people like Aaliyah, TLC, and Safe Bunny was inspired by it and did a inspired track by it. Is that appropriation? I don't really understand what music appropriation is. I think maybe what you're what you're hitting on is something that I I dug up on um, Wikipedia is that cultural elements that may have deep meaning to the original culture may be reduced to exotic fashions or toys from those of the dominant culture, a.k.a. the white culture. So Kjersten Johnson has written that when this is done, the imitator of that culture who does not experience that same culture's oppression, the way whites have not experienced uh, blacks' oppression, is able to play temporarily an exotic, unquote, other without experiencing any of the daily discriminations faced by these other cultures. Well, I think appropriation is always taking from that culture, taking from those references and not acknowledging where it came from and acting like you made it, you created it, it's yours. Uh-huh. And again, a reason why it's such why it's such a hot topic and why it's such an issue is because this has happened to people of color, black people, for literally decades, for centuries. So the fact that people, and then still perpetuating this and still allowing this behavior, this behavior to happen is just, it's just, it's just wrong. So how can we 
tell the difference between appreciation of a culture and culture appropriation. Again, I think the telltale sign is appreciation is acknowledging where your references are from, where the song is from, where the outfit is from, and not acting like, not wearing bantu knots or cornrows and be like, I made this, or this is the style that I'm doing, and you literally putting it, putting it in your head having no idea where the fuck it came from. Well, you would completely be uh, guilty of cultural appropriation if you took something that wasn't from your people and didn't even know it at all. I mean, you thought you acted yeah. like you came up with it. I mean, I don't, we're saying it's different strokes for different folks with cultural appropriation and what they permit. Um, but I don't yeah. think anybody, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that is, that is stealing three German guys in craft work in the 1970s, um, are acknowledged by Dr. Dre, Grandmaster Flash, and Africa Bombada as inspiration because they did those real computerized beats. So culture does go everywhere. I mean, it is yeah. it is cross pollination, and uh, you know, it's it's. And we're not just talking about cross pollinating bunnies' orifices. We're talking about cross pollination in a different way. Is that really the note that you want to end this scholarly discussion on, Monet? Because <laughs> as a representative of the stereo app and the <laughs> one half of the Ebony and Irony <laughs> podcast, this is really not up to speed with our other contents. We have a very special guest here on Ebony and Irony for the interview. He is Joey Arias, performer extraordinaire who has been part of the New York scene since Fiorucci in the disco days, uh, performing with Klaus Nomi, uh, singing back up for David Bowie. And, you know, Joey really came into his own by channeling, not impersonating Billy Holiday. So we went catch up with him and ask him about all things Billy Holiday and what he's up to. Hi, Joey. Hey, baby. Take out me. Yeah, it sounded <laughs> just like Billy. Oh, my That's God. Each time I Billy cry. Porter. How <laughs> 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 you been playing? you Joey, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine, Monet. How are you doing? Great. What an honor to be in this show, Ebony and Irony. Thank you. Yeah. Is this your first podcast? Yes, it is. It's the first time I've ever done one. Oh my one. god. Oh my god. We're gonna really? drag you. We're gonna drag you and Jane County into the world of podcasting. Before we started, I was talking to Joey because obviously Joey has lived in New York City. Well, Joey, wait. Are you born and raised? You're born and raised here. No, you seriously? Well, I. I grew up here, but I'm originally from North Carolina. Oh, North and Carolina. They, yes, North Carolina. Then I, at six years old, my parents went to Los Angeles. And then it uh, came to New York when I was about 19. 19. Uh, well, we were talking about, like, your, your um, you know, you've, you've been in the same apartment for a long time, and you have had literally all of the greats walk in through your apartment doors. So you have seen New York City morph and change and and uh, uh, become what it, uh, seeing what it was, what it, what it was going to be, what it is now. Uh, do you still love the city is my question. 
I love New York City more than any place in the planet. As I was talking to Matthew Modine, he said, you know, the real New Yorkers are the fabric that keep New York sane, and the the pretenders are the ones that left town. And, you know, okay, so they call it New York for a reason, because it's redefining itself. It's rediscovering itself. It's not like, you know, I, I do miss those old days of bombed out buildings and heroin junkies trying to attack me, but. Uh, <laughs> well, you can still come over to my place if you miss that. Well, I, I, I was like, mine. I was here if you fighting in there with somebody, girl. <laughs> that was a landlord, honey. Okay. No, I'm on the podcast circuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! No, but I think New York. I love New York. I don't care what anybody says. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. What now? When you were growing, uh, you you were just six years old in North Carolina. At what age did you find that you had an affinity for Billie Holiday's music? Seriously, I was probably like eight years old, eight or nine, because my Mm -hmm. parents played music all the time, and Mm -hmm. so I heard that voice, and I thought, "Ooh, I want to have that voice. That what makes Billie." Billy, I want to be that. I want to have that mm. same tone with words. You know, so my parents mm. were surprised when they heard me singing God Bless a Child as a child. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, God bless this child. What have we done? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, they can't have to But, you know, it was just me being what I was. They knew I was a, you know, a sissy. And they knew I was going to be different. And so mm-hmm. they kind of guided me. They, they, they never stopped me, but they tried to see if maybe I'd play baseball. But instead, I like playing with hair. Yeah. And then, and then so, so, so when, when you started performing as Billy, this was at Club 57, yeah? You know what? I, the first, what was the first time I actually did this? I, I mean, you I don't put, really, you don't impersonate Billy. No. You channel her, and then there's there's elements of your wardrobe that you know evoke her. But you don't do. I mean, you you don't do blackface and no. dress as Billy Holiday. No. So I've been doing the Billy Holiday stick with my voice, my channeling. I I wasn't sure what you called it, but somebody coined it. This uh, medium said, "You know, you're channeling Billy Holiday," and mm-hmm. told me what made Billy. Is you're channeling that vibe, the same vibe mm-hmm. that Billy got, and so I, I when I went in drag because I was doing the Billy shows, you know, in New York, but as a guy in a suit, and then I was doing mm-hmm. Wigstock as Justine, this kind of wild drag queen, and then Buddy one time said, "Can you do Billy Holiday for Wigstock instead? Because we need something pretty," and I thought, okay, and then I thought about it, and I was freaking out because I'd never done. A performance challenging Billy in drag. And the how and the yeah. how am I going to do this? Yeah. So I was with my black friend Tony, his uncle's Arnett Coleman, famous jazz player, and we were together. And he said, "Girl," and we saw the the lady in satin album cover. He goes, "Girl, just pull your hair back and put a ponytail on and get like a '50s gown." And that just did pretty makeup, and that's what I did. And I did, you know, being the Latino, or Mexican German, actually. So I have that kind of ruddy skin. So I kind of look like Billie Holiday already. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and so, so wait a minute. 
are you suggesting that I that that you all the phenomenal success that you've had with Billie Holiday around the world recording albums, you know, in a show that ran in New York for a year uh, off Broadway? Are you suggesting that my humble suggestion for a Wigstock act was actually a good one, and that I actually attempted to? to <laughs> I had a good idea once. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> I, I, I'm saying what I'm saying, and you please spin around the, the maple dance. <laughs> Girl, so, you, you pat yourself in the hairy back. It, it's it's great. <laughs> no, uh, Joey, that's not hair. It's fur. She's a, she's furry, a furry lady. Betty has the most prettiest blonde hair. Every time I see her, I keep thinking she she's does. a brick girl. <laughs> no, it's a brick girl, honey. <laughs> a break girl, huh? <laughs> and so now we have this of uh, this this new movie on Hulu, um, the U.S. versus Billie Holiday, and I have to say, you know, I I know like I knew of Billie Holiday obviously, and some of the things, but I was not. I was not aware of how much drugs and heroin. I thought when I, because I, you hear about all of these old time uh, 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 people from that era, and when I think about the drugs, I didn't realize it was heroin. I thought they were like doing cocaine because you know, like people like Albert Einstein was was famous for doing a lot of cocaine. That's how he was able to stay up and do all the things that he did. But she was fucking shooting heroin. What? Do you is the is the portrayal of Billy in the movie is it accurate to you? Because there's a lot of discrepancy about it. People are talking about in the reviews of it. Well, I've known Billy Holiday's uh, uh, stepson, Louis McKay Jr. So since I was a teenager, I've knew stories of Billy, saw pictures of Billy, heard so much about Billy, and then I started, you know, reading reading. Then when I was doing my shows. I met people who knew her and knew her very well. And mm -hmm. so when I saw the movie, I, you know, I thought she was very pretty. She was much prettier, prettier than Billie Holiday. Billie, mm. the, it was very Hollywood, the movie. Everything was kind of broken up and scattered around. Her life wasn't centered around Strange Fruit because what those she grew up like any jazz musician, drinking and smoking pot. That was what you did. Mm. Smoke pot, drink, do a bump of coke if you could afford it, and that's the way. That's mm -hmm. how they. That's how they. You know, hung out. That's how they swang. And so she was a good time girl. And so, you know, being a prostitute as a, bit, a teenager in, in, in Baltimore, and then coming to New York at like fifteen mm -hmm. and and prostitution, and she and started singing in little clubs. And her thing was her favorite thing was singing in little tiny clubs, and, and being with mm. people. And she had a very soft voice, and she was a, a big woman. She wasn't a little tiny skinny girl, and she was. Oh hardcore. really? Oh, she was fat. She was a fatty. Really? Yes, girl. They said Andre Day actually lost weight to play yeah. her. But I, 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 yeah, I, I guess maybe did she lose weight later on in life? Billy lost weight when she started uh, kind of doing more coke and more opiates in the fifties. So oh, that's what I'll do then. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, you need more than that. You need like a like a like, like a beach full of coke. <laughs> 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 no, Billy. So she, you know, it was that that, that look in the fifties. She, you know, she wanted to have that fifties look, which was, was smaller, and uh, so she lost that weight. And which what I like that one portrayal is when she's putting shoe polish on her hair. And, yeah, and Billy, yeah. And, you know, Billy, that was. 
towards the like 55 right in there when Bill was sick her hair back and put shoe polish in her hair. And that's what Billy, you know, so that I thought was great. Um, and she didn't smoke. I mean, she smoked, but not like 24-7, like in bed. And this, that, that, was, that was ridiculous. She did heroin for like a year, like shot up like that. And that was uh -huh. over. So she would she would snort heroin or snort coke or, or take pills, opiates, like I did for a while. But her thing was Got drinking it. and coke. That was the real deal. Because there was points Got in her it. career that she would drink so much. Because she started drinking the Michigan out of bed. She had a bottle of gin by the bed, and that was what she started with. And just smoked wow. pot, like big African joints. And so by the time she got to her gig, she was already fried on a blackout. So they get her on stage, and she could sing one song, and they had to get her off stage because she couldn't sing anymore. Got it. And you know it, what? And and I, it, I just, it, in, in some of these movies, they like glamorize it. I'm like, I'm like, I know me. If I when I'm going to perform, I cannot do any edibles. I can't smoke any weed because I just cannot perform like that. So when I like watch these biopics and I see <laughs> these artists, these like legendary artists, these these iconic artists, yeah. and they're like fucking doing all of the drugs, all the things, I'm like, kudos to you for being able to do all that shit and then perform because I literally could never. I just, it's just not in me. Right. Well, in those days, everything was different. You know, coke was different, booze was different. So now right, it's right, like right. it's 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 infused with something else. And I want to go to the, the song "Strange Fruit," which is what yeah. this movie was based on. Um, mm. She used to work in a club called Cafe Society, which is right there in uh, 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 Sheridan Square, and it sat like maybe fifteen tables. It was tiny. There was no stage. With a little band. And so she would sing. There's no microphones, no PA. So she would literally sing around the tables. And that's that was Cafe Society. Mm. But that was the the first club that integrated black and white where everybody everyone can walk to the front door. Mm -hmm. So she was becoming a big hit. And so Barney Josephson had gotten this poem song from this Jewish uh, writer, school teacher, and presented the song to her, and she was like kind of confused because she was wondering like what the hell did the song mean she didn't even know what it meant he had explained mm. what gallant meant to her because you know she only went to like fifth grade that was it her, her reading was right only comic books she only read comic books and she used to always ask people what words were what certain words were and so so he had explained the song to her and so when they recorded it because she she liked the way it felt she did it as a pop song it was it was like faster. A, a, it was a yeah, it was like and you know, and and Billy and these are and other artists they would they they were living their lives and doing it. They weren't doing it to be protesting or activists. She wasn't doing it to be I'm gonna do the song because I'm gonna be an activist against because of, of protesting about lynching. She was mm -hmm. just singing this song because she loved what it said. And not till the 50s did she start really digging into those words, you know, because that was Billy's magic of, of the sound of her words. If she didn't yeah. live those words, she couldn't sing them. And so that's, that's her, they made her like a great kind of a jazz singer, blues singer. When she used to be a real uppity, uppity kind of 40s type girl, 30s and 40s, and then she started sipping more into the bluesy thing and then more love songs and 
so uh, yeah yeah i mean i always start doing slower material when i'm drunk too <laughs> well, what, 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 how about when you're walking girl are you walking real slow these days no i'm not walking at all these days okay <laughs> well, what's that thing behind you uh, I don't know, but it's hard, and I'm it's inside me, so I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> because, uh, so, there's made a musical for that girl. Ooh. Well, that's the wrong end, honey. But so what? So so, so here was the description, um, you know, of the movie Lee Daniels and Andrew Day on the hidden activist life of Billie Holiday. The director and singer discussed their latest movie, The United States versus Billie Holiday, and how the FBI's efforts to stop her from singing Strange Fruit turned the jazz singer into a leader in civil rights. Do you think that this movie overplays Billie Holiday as an activist? I mean, you mentioned that she didn't really, uh, you know, get into the the the, the lyrics and, and, and thumb her nose at the FBI until, you know, later at night, I mean, later in life, because what this movie suggests, you know, and you've also said that heroin wasn't such a big part of her life. The movie suggests that the feds were able to, they did not want her to sing Strange Fruit, which she always, you know, wanted to work into the act. They were able to use, to, to, to use drug busts as a way to cart her to jail for a year. As a way, so, I mean, it almost makes it seem like you know, the chronology of the movie is a little, you know, off to me, but it, it always, ma- it almost makes it seems like she had this burning desire to, to work this into her act. And, and do you think that that's not quite accurate it's not accurate at all she didn't do that song at all at all the time she did it different times it was not on her roster that was like the one of the last songs she would actually put on her set so it was not uh-huh. always there so that's why i was cracking because right. it's this whole thing about strange fruit strange fruit and the but and the, the thing there she got busted for drugs and then she was a very loud spoken and she was a huge star and uh, they were, and they started watching her. They were, you know, she was pretty out there. She was not hiding that she was doing drugs. She was just out there doing coke and smoking pot, eating pussy, and and being a good time girl. And so, the, so but the, they tried like because maybe the song they didn't like the lyric, and so they thought, okay, they're gonna pin it on her. But I don't think it was that much of a big deal. I mean, and now it's like a big deal because like now these days it's like, you know. Uh, Oh, the, the, the choke holding and the, the shooting into someone in bed and, and they're trying to get all these people and then uh, John Lewis on the on the bridge and Billy Holiday for Strange Fruit. So they're trying to get everybody to be these like these uh, legends for a, a activist work. I think Billy Holiday, if she was alive, she might be laughing right now. She'd probably be going, okay, well, if it works for you, then good. I'll sing it if, it, if it's going to help the cause. That's what right. I would get from that. Interesting. So, so, like, so you, th- you think she was more of, 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 a, of just a wildcat mess who sometimes ha- had an eye towards civil rights? She did. Later she on. She, well, she, what she did, she saw it. She knew what was going on. She, she couldn't, you know, when she, she, when, she, when she knew the shit was going down was when she was on tour with uh, Artie Shaw. And when they were going down mm-hmm. to the South and, he, and that, they wouldn't let her into places... That's when she was getting like, okay, this is bullshit already. And when he kept calling her the N word on stage, and she was like, literally cursing people out. She was to, to her, there was no boundaries. She, it was like she had no eyes for color. It was just like black, white, whatever. She just wanted to be treated equally. Right. So if you call her the N word, she's going to turn around and call you the cracker or whatever. Right. 
And so even in, what she would tell people, you know, I'm here, I have all dolled up gardenias and beautiful gown, and I still got to sit in the kitchen. I can't sit in a proper room, and I still can't walk to the front door because mm-hmm. of who I am, because of being black, and I'm Billie Holiday. And, and the funny thing about it, she didn't even really, really realize her power until the early 50s, or when she went to London for the first time to do um, this big concert. And then she saw all her fans and, and all this press. And someone said, you know, Bill, and, she, and she turned around and said, oh, my God, I'm Billie Holiday. She, and she didn't really, she never even thought about it because she was just working. She just wanted to work. Yeah. And uh, she just loved, uh, and it, that little, which is like, hey, all that stuff. It's a little, hey, all that. Yeah. Said, her friends used to tell her, we love when you do that. Ow. This little, and she was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> and so she she, and she she put her records on, and she she taught herself how to sing her own style. Oh. She, she didn't even know she was doing what she was doing because she she put her on her own records and listened to her own music and her own voice and copy herself. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's well, amazing. I guess she was into it, drunk or whatever, and just felt it, and then didn't ex- even re- really know exactly what she was feeling. Love that in a lot of these old films, like Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom, uh, uh, this new movie with Andre Day, Billie Holiday, like all of these like icons were all fucking gender, uh, gender fluid, um, sexually fluid, eating pussies, sucking dick. I just love that they were just doing all the things. I'm like, work. That's great. Right? And then Billy made so much money, literally, because uh, one of her step-nephews came, because I did the uh, 100-year anniversary of Billy Holiday, a, great, uh, a grand tour around the world with a full orchestra. And her wow. grand-nephew came to my house prior to that with three suitcases of clothing, uh, Western unions, personal jewelry, hats, shoes, and everything looked like it just came out of the bag from Bergdorf's or whatever, or from Italy. Perfect. Everything was perfect. She, everything was impeccable. Her dresses not wow. worn ripped. No cigarette burns. No broken feathers. Her jewelry was. I mean, her, but but I was looking at her, her Western unions, and she was making like what's a Western the, union? Like, it's like a it's like a, a telegram. <laughs> telegram. A telegram, oh. honey. Oh. <laughs> so in those days, she was making like let's say like late forties, early fifties. They were offering her like five, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars to perform somewhere. So that would have been like sixty thousand dollars now to go somewhere. Wow! So, so she was making all this money and supporting like people. She was giving money to people. She was making dinner. She had this amazing apartment on the on the west side that had like three floors for like I think a couple of years, where she was having parties and people coming over and other. She, she, she almost pretty much gave her money away. And then her husband, wow. Bruce McKay, the last one was that made her sign her her, uh, her lease over, I mean, her uh, will to him. And he's the one that kept stealing her money. And she was always like, where the fuck is my money, man? Yeah, yeah. See, uh, that shit gets me so mad. It's like these these powerful women and these fucked up dudes just like taking all their shit. Like that shit gets me. It gets me so heated. I hate. I I hate it. She didn't just like dudes, did she, Joey? Because <laughs> there was a there was a Tallulah Bankhead scene, and Tallulah was you know rumored to <laughs> be her Leon. lover, yeah. her lesbian lover. She didn't look like Tallulah. And she, they didn't really have a love scene. They just had like a scene where she could not. Billy could not get into 
Tallulah's elevator because of the black uh, yep. elevator man was saying, you know, this is whites only. What what do you know of of uh, of uh, Billy's, you know, lesbianism? Billy was a prostitute, and uh, so she had her male lovers and she had female lovers. So literally, the, if her boyfriend would leave the house, her girlfriend was there. And another room would just come in there and eat her pussy out. Lord. And vice versa. So she had her pussy eaten like she was well taken care of sexually. That's that's for sure. And then when she wanted penetration, then she got the guy. So <laughs> so she I know that Tulula in the movie looked like Danny Johnson. And uh <laughs> <laughs> but Tulula, you know, you know, all the movie stars like you know uh Marilyn Monroe and the all the stars loved Billy Holiday. And even when she lived in L.A., like, doing these shows there, they were all there for her. But um, when uh, the book, The Lady Sings the Blues, was going to come out, uh, Tallulah told her company, like, you better get you better get my name out of there because I, I don't want to be associated with this woman because I don't want people to know that I'm a lesbian, even though Hollywood knew that. And so they were, they were lovers for, like, at least five years. And... Wow. Um, Oh yeah, she they were she was a big muff touch. She loved eating Billy's pussy from whatever I was told. <laughs> that she loved getting down on her knees and eating some black pussy girl. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you know, the, the this wasn't discussed back then as it is now, homosexuality among big stars. I mean, you would have some morals code against you. But it does right. seem weird that that we can mention it now and that this movie kind of downplayed it a little. Yeah. They just a gave me a little a little a little tiny bit. It's kinda of like, Oh, there's Tulula, wink wink, and that was it. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I honestly I was watching it and I didn't even get that from watching the movie. Bunny, when we, Bunny and I talked about it, and Bunny was like, "Oh yeah, they were lovers." I was like, "Were they? If they were, I did not get that watching the movie." So unless you know, you wouldn't know. Or maybe I'm just yeah. an idiot. But no, that's no, no. Also the, the movie it was very, it was very Hollywood. I mean, I got a kick out of it. I kept thinking, wrong, wrong. And Billy didn't wear those mm. gardenias all the time. She just did it for a little, for, yeah. for, like a particular period till her hair grew out. Because the reason she even put gardenias in her hair is her girlfriend was straightening her hair out, and you know they were high, and she she with Huck combing her hair, she burnt the side of her hair, and she had to come hold oh. on her hair with her hair mounted, and Billy like you know they're like back, you guys have my hair, and so they had the girls walking around with the cat, you know, cigarettes and candies and flowers, and she got all the gardenias and came back and said, okay, we're gonna put these in your hair, and Billy was like, ugh, whatever. And when she came out, everybody was like, oh, my God. God. They were like, they thought it was like Billy planned this whole thing with gardenias, but they didn't know that they were hitting her. And she says that when she was singing, she could smell smoke and gardenias because her hair was so smoking. Then the gardenias were there. <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. God. We're getting the Joey... insides, getting the inside scoop on Billy Holiday from Joey Harris. Uh, what, Joey, can you, yeah, I about to say, can you give us a little, can you give us a little Billy? Because, I mean, it's just so spot on. It sounds so, it sounds so good. All right. Well, let me, let me tell you, I was talking like, what happens it? So I'm sorry. <laughs> I should not, don't explain. Yeah, my joy and pain. <laughs> Skip that. Lipstick, don't explain. I said, Monet, 
Yeah, bitch. It's funny. Yeah, my stitch. Skip that. Lipstick. Don't explain. Thank you, ladies. All right. Oh, my God. So good. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You like that time. Like that would be hot. It's been a pleasure talking to everybody so nice like this. And thank you so much. Thank you, baby. Well, let, me, let me ask you one more uh, yeah. thing because you oh. told me, was it uh, Paul Mooney, the black comedian who wrote for Richard Pryor, that um, was wowed by your performance? Yes. You, how well, did that happen? Well, of course, you know, we know Paul Mooney. We know Paul Mooney's a very intense black activist an amazing comedian, a, a great writer. Anyway, uh, I've been a big fan of his, and, and uh, he wound up coming to, to one of my shows. And, of course, I was doing Strange Fruit at that point, and I thought to myself, oh, shit. I was, I was like, freaking out. But anyway, I sang the shit out of that song that night. I sang that song. And then... Uh, after the show downstairs, the girls from the from the Apollo, they were they were like, "Oh my God, girl, you turned this on!" I said, and they were, you know, Paul Mooney was freaking out. I said, "Like, what do you mean?" I said, "Like, he was gagging." So I was like, I, "I didn't know what they meant, really." Anyway, so I'm in Harlem, and all of a sudden, I bumped into Paul Mooney, and we wound up having like lunch. So he started talking to me about you know the music, and he said, "You know, I saw your show." baby you were looking fine i said dude did you think about drag he goes no no i, I never even thought about drag. he goes As a matter of fact i thought it was the wrong place he goes i thought i was there seeing a light-skinned black woman on stage <laughs> and uh, he said i'm gonna tell you right now there's only three people that can sing strange fruit that's billy holiday nina simone and joey arias after that they should all stop fucking with that song because they, 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 <laughs> yeah. they don't got he goes, he goes, when you sang that fucking song, I'm going to tell you, Joey, right now, I had the fucking noose around my neck and I was sweating there when you were singing that song. So that, and, and, and we laughed about some other stuff, but he was like, he goes, don't be ashamed. So he goes, to go out there and be yourself. He goes, people think you're a black girl. You're, you're, you're not white up there. You're, going, you're looking like a light-skinned black woman to me. But anyway, it was an honor to have somebody that powerful tell me for the black community. And then, like, also, like, uh, Arnett Coleman, who's a famous jazz musician, who mm -hmm. wanted me also to perform with him on one of his big concerts. And so the black community has actually accepted me because I'm channeling. I'm out there to, like, I'm not being disrespectful to Billy. I'm just, yeah. I'm just channeling. And I've had yeah. people, mediums, tell me, you are channeling, Billy, especially when you do you changed he was the, the 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 billy energy vibe is very very happy when you do that particular song so yeah. i was like okay well you know i i i love it's, that because obviously we're in a time where people conflate the issues of appropriation and appreciation so often and you're obviously yes. paying reverence to and you're appreciating the art and you're so yeah and people get stuck up and they get those confused so often so i'm happy you're speaking to that yeah, and I don't like. I know I could tell when people are doing the imitation, like mm -hmm. uh, not to speak bad, but you know, Jimmy James is like, and now my Billy Holiday, and I'm hearing him, and it sounds like, what the hell's he doing? It, it's weird, you know, because yeah, yeah. he's imitating, and you, you know, where I, 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 you know, I've got to just, I got to go there. I really got to 
again, feel those words and channel that vibe. And uh, so, yeah, it's important to really about pay Billy's homage. voice that you love. And it's the voice I love. That's the voice I wanted. And that's the voice I've got. And there was a point in my life that I kind of was living her lifestyle <laughs> where I had to go to rehab. Well, because I got, I wasn't drinking way too much and started doing opiates for a while. And everyone kept saying, girl, you're like Billy Holiday. You're, you're fucked up. You're up singing. You're fucked up. And then I had to get clean. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't be. Billy Holiday was 44 years old, girl, when she died. Yeah, mm. yeah. Wow. 40, and I'm just 42. Shit. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Have you considered comedy? Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, Joey, of course, you know, we are in a much more sensitive time where, you know, the sound of you doing Billie Holiday transports us to a decadent place immediately. And But today, a lot of people are like, well, you haven't endured Billie Holiday's struggles, you know, as a black woman. So even though you've gotten some positive, you know, feedback from Paul Mooney and Arnett Coleman, um, what, what would you say to the people that, that say, you know, today, because we're hyper PC, that, that, that people should only sing music of their you know, variety. I just go, you know what? Get a grip and go fuck off. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just thinking what Billy would say. I mean, literally, the, uh, well, this, this generation or this new generation or where we're at now, it's going so fast that they don't have the right to tell you what to do because tomorrow it's a different story. News yeah. only lasts 15 minutes. And like Andy said, you fame is you'll get fame for fifteen minutes. That's what's going on. Everyone's brain is going so fast they can't hold on to one thing. There's not a real star like they used to be. There's only a few because you, there's everyone's got a record. Everyone's doing something on on, on the internet. So so you know I don't, I don't listen to people like that. They should they, they need to focus on one thing and it's, it's you know. I, if I want to do what I want to do, and it's, it's channeling, then that's what they should they should pay attention. Yeah. I'm not gonna. Mm -hmm. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna go to start listening to a mariachi band with Adolf Hitler because I'm Mexican German, because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd like to see that. I mean, do you do, do you do you think that we have? voices out there uh, or a lot of them today that people will be be making movies about you know their their music and a particular song of theirs you know in 60 years no what are some that you like some of the people i like are some of the older people still uh ooh, I, I, you know what's a tattoo i it's who do i like who do i like uh it's pronounced Monet Exchange. <laughs> That's how you pronounce uh, that it's one. Pronounced, yeah. It's pronounced like. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, like, you know, but, well, Bunny's got your own. You, you have your own style. When you hear Bunny, it's like, That's Lady Bunny. All the yeah, singers yeah. sound the same. Every Broadway show, you have to have that that voice with that, uh, whatever they call that, that riffing, that what they call riffing. That, uh, yeah. uh, 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 you know, I, it's like you know, I call it the chicken neck Stevie Wonder vocal cords. But <laughs> oh, the melisma, 
The melisma. Yeah, like, oh, the vocal fry. The vocal, the <laughs> Britney vocal fry. Yeah. And everybody from Broadway, I was doing this off-Broadway show with these rehearsing with this folk, with these actors, and they all, I didn't, I could close my eyes, I didn't know who was who because they all sounded the same. And then I told them I felt very insecure being around this troop, and they said, no, the reason that we want you is because you have your own style. And they told me, nobody has their own style anymore. But right. I'm trying to think who I like now. Ooh. Like you're not uh, into the Gaga's, you're not into any of that stuff. You know what? I like Gaga, but Gaga is like supreme voice, but it's like, I, I, I sometimes I don't know what she's all about anymore because one day she's like, pop! And then she's doing like opera, and then she's doing some of the uh, jazzy stuff. So and it gets and it gets kind of big, and it's like I'm kind of I get lost with her. I like her. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I know you're gonna hate me, but Madonna has her own style, and you could spot it out in one second. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't and that style it. is lip syncing. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that was all that silicone in her face. That's all she could do, girl. <laughs> guys, Madonna, Madonna, Madonna listens to this podcast. Madonna, I'm sorry, they don't mean it, baby. Oh, uh, no, you know, I love Madonna, no, no matter what. I just thought, you know, she saw me. I was at a birthday party with Stephen Klein. It was Suzanne Barsh, Stephen Klein, yes. Madonna, and me, and that was it. And so I was there, I was like, literally, nose to nose talking to her. I was like, Jesus Christ, one more shot, and she's going to look like Pete Burns. <laughs> she has, girl, she, she was, True. she got that edge. True. Yeah. Do you like uh, Jennifer Hudson? Oh, you Jennifer, Jennifer, Hudson. Jennifer Hudson. Yes, I think she's amazing. I love her voice, yeah. don't you? Yes, I worship her. What about uh, Patti LaBelle, Tina Turner, Gladys oh. oh, yes. Any well, of those? All the classic ladies like that from that era. You know, Patti LaBelle. There's only one Patti LaBelle. Oh, I love uh, uh, on Midnight Train to Georgia. What's her name? Uh, Gladys Knight. Love Gladys the Gladys Knight. Knight. I love her. Love her. Love her. Love her. Love her. But yeah. those women from that era, Nona Hendricks. Oh my God, I love Nona Hendricks. Sarah Dash. These women, all these amazing ladies. Oh my God, these voices are unique. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Unique. Uh, and- Joey, we could just talk to you literally for 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 decades, but I'm afraid Bunny probably doesn't have that much time left. No, oh, I have time, but it's time for Joey's nap. Oh, you know what? <laughs> no, I don't have a nap. I have to go like suck. I got somebody. I got to go suck on one right now. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Joey, do you have do you, right. do you have any do you have any um what what uh, what upcoming projects do we do you have coming out? What where where can we go hear the beautiful sultry stylings of your delicious voice? Well, let me see. Well, everything's closed, so hopefully soon, maybe at Joe's Pub, oh, uh, Lady Bunny's front yard. Oh well. <laughs> I'm working on an album. I'm going to start working on an album, actually. And uh, in June, I go start recording in Wisconsin for three weeks. Nice. And uh, I got a couple of big projects I can't talk about right now. That's could be really interesting. It's the same guy who did uh, Tiger Kings. Okay. Shut up. Yeah, it's the same guy. They're doing a project, and I'm kind of involved in that. He went from Tiger King to Booger Queens. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's called. It's, it's, it's going to be called yeah, Potato Nose. <laughs> oh, it's, it's my life story? 
No, that would be no, no, no. Your life story is Butterface. Oh, okay. Well, no, we did Mr. Potato Head last week. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, look, both of you. I'm so like in awe of both Bunny. Of course, I mean Bunny's like legendary. I mean, it's always an honor to talk to you, sister. And Monet, what an honor. We love getting this good uh, behind-the-scenes tales yeah, of, of Billy. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, I got more tales. I got the slide of family stone tales of when I sucked off Don John. Uh, though it goes, it goes on and on and on, girl. I love it. I got the Hollywood tales. You know, I had I know sex with Don Johnson. Did Don, Don Johnson? I had sex with him years ago, girl. Word. And he's still alive. He's still alive. Yeah, he looks like you now. There's like they can't make the difference. <laughs> Was well, that what sex with you does? Make people look like me? Oh, but honey, you better quarantine this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Well, on that note, ladies, uh, thank you so much, Joey. Thank you so much, you. Joey. Bye, love baby. you too, Bye. guys. If you want to keep up with Joey Arias, you can follow him at Joey Arias A R I A S N Y C at Instagram at Joey Arias N Y C, or same thing on Twitter or just Joey Arias on Facebook, not to be confused with the murderer, Jody Arias. There is no oh relation. Oh, my God. Wait, is there really a murderer called Jody Arias? J-O-D-I. Look it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did Joey do this on purpose? No, but Joey's no murderer, but he will slay on stage, honey. <laughs> and in our interview. In our interview. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. That was so good. Hearing Joey do that Billie Holiday in person, like, uh, uh, appreciation. That It was stunning. That was, I have never seen Joey do this act. I would love to, when they're doing it again, I definitely want to buy some tickets to see it. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, and you know, Joey uses his own heroin. <laughs> I sold it to her, okay? <laughs> That's why I didn't have any when you called. <laughs> oh my God, another show stopping episode with the lady buddy and myself and Joey Arias again. Thank you so much for being here. It was fabulous, darling. Fabulous. Yes, and do give us a rating. Join us on the Stereo app. And next mm -hmm. week, we have Margaret Cho Gals. and uh, some other hot topics. On that same token of the ratings, let's read some ratings that we have. Here's somebody. This is by, this says, um, Beauty and the Brains, parentheses, and Lady Bunny, exclamation point. <gasps> ah! JK oh. though, what a dynamic duo. Incredible balance in views and life experiences, and it makes for a great listen. You are also great interviewers, which is not something I would say about most drag podcasts out there. <laughs> but Thank enough about noticing. Alaska and Willem. Um, oh. This one, the title says, Is Lady Bunny allowed to be so... And it says, I don't know how to describe Lady Bunny, but she is just outrageous. And I'm and I'm honestly surprised that they haven't been canceled yet with her great views. Love the show. Keep it up. This one says, love it. A really great dynamic between the hosts. New favorite podcast. Yes, bitch. Yes. Um, I, I honestly, I'm not trying to be biased. I'm trying to find bad ones there. Oh. They're all positive reviews, all five star reviews. Um, they don't have, we don't have any bad ones, girl. So sorry about that. 
Um, so if you want to leave us a rating or review, we will gladly read some of your reviews again. And thank you all again for listening. And we'll see you all next time. Ebony and Irony. Starbanes Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.